It's too hot here. It's too hot to record in this room. That's why all the episodes recently have been so short. Because it's too hot. It's too hot to be recording in here. Is that so? Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter. And today we are discussing chapter eight of The Silver Chair. This chapter is called The House of Harfang. I am frolicsome and my name is Kristen. Okay. And this is my co-host. I'm a... I'm a gigantic gentleman in waiting. Also known as? Chris. Chris, welcome. You are a gigantic gentleman in waiting. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Yep. All right. Well, I am not a gigantic old nurse or a gigantic maid of honor. So, so many gigantic things in this chapter. They're gigantic is, is in this chapter like six times. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I know... That it comes from giant, but like you didn't have to hit it on the nose that many times. Mm-hmm. The gigantic men in waiting, the gigantic maid of honor, the gigantic fireplace, the gigantic bathtub. Yeah, it's in there like four or five times. This is that. This is the point in time that Lewis lost his thesaurus, which is a really hard thing to say. <laughs> Maybe you should have had an extra shot in your coffee this morning. Lewis lost his thesaurus. Why? Why can't I say that? Well, that's the bloopers knocked out. For us. Lost his thesaurus. Lost his thesaurus. Is it the last thesaurus. part? Thesaurus. 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 I can say the word. Great content for the bloopers. Anyway, how do we start this podcast, Kristen? Well, um, <sighs> yeah, he definitely lost his thesaurus there, and we show off. <laughs> We start this uh, this whole show thing with our summaries. Cool. So as you and I are reading through the chapters, Chris, I'm sure you know this, but I'm going to tell the listeners, but I'm going to talk to you so that the listeners feel like they're watching and observing us interacting. No, Hi. That's, that's like my least favorite way that podcasts interact. Like I don't like feeling like I'm observing. I like it when people are involved in like, all right, listeners, here's what we do, because then it feels more like a show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, how do we start? We start, it's an excellent question, Chris. We start <laughs> with our summaries. So as we are reading the chapter, uh, each of us select five sentences out of the chapter in an attempt to summarize the plot points of the chapter in the chapter's own words. So, Chris, do you want to go first or shall I? I'll go first. Why not? Okay. Read us your five sentence summary, Since please. You said this chapter was hard to summarize. Okay. It's, eh. yeah. Okay. Well, here's mine. The giant king and queen looked at each other, nodded to each other, and smiled in a way that Jill didn't exactly like. The queen's foolish speech, however, produced excellent results. 
for Puddleglum and Scrub were at once picked up by gigantic gentlemen-in-waiting, and Jill by a gigantic maid of honor, and carried off to their rooms. The lion told her to repeat the signs, and she found that she had forgotten them all. To crown all, in large dark lettering across the center of the pavement, ran the words, Under Me. Our only chance, said Scrub, is to try to sneak away by daylight. All right. There you go. I think we only have two sentences in common. Only two. Yeah. (laughs) Here's my summary. The Queen's foolish speech, however, produced excellent results for Puddleglum and Scrub were at once picked up by gigantic gentlemen-in-waiting and Jill by a gigantic maid of honor and carried off to their rooms. Down below them, spread out like a map, lay the flat hilltop which they had struggled over yesterday afternoon. Seen from the castle, it could not be mistaken for anything but the ruins of a gigantic city. To crown all, in large dark lettering across the center of the pavement, ran the words, Under Me. And at that moment, Jill's dream rushed back into her mind. The three travelers looked at each other in dismay, and after a short whistle, Scrub said what they were all thinking. The second and third signs muffed. There you go. Yep. I almost did the last sentence, too, but yeah. anyway. I hate it when I muff the signs. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> it really is a shame. So we have chapter eight. They are in the house, and as I said last time, they get before the king and queen, and Jill's throat dries up, and she doesn't want to talk, and Puddle Glum is drunk and laying on the floor like a spider. Maybe. And maybe. <laughs> We'll get there. And we have Scrub talking to the king and queen at the opening of the chapter. Well, the opening line is, go on, pull, do your stuff from Scrub. Like Because she's the one who talked to the porter. Okay. Like, when they got there, the first to the porter, Puddleglum shouted out for the porter, but once the porter approached, Jill jumped forward and started talking. Okay. And said, we're here on, like, the, the... the lady in the green kirtle yeah. sent us to the autumn feast. Mm-hmm. And uh, the porter immediately changed and was like, oh, okay, well, let's get you before the king and queen then. And now they're before so the king and queen. They're now before the king and queen. And so Scrub is expecting Pole to continue with this yeah. leadership speaking role. And she's now like, nope. Not there. Uh, anyway, Scrub jumps in and says, hey, look, they've been sent for the feast. No. For- he says, she sent us for you to have for the feast. Ah, yes. Which is a third speech pattern of this uh, thing. So we had, we, uh, you've been sent for the feast. Mm-hmm. We've been sent to the feast. Mm-hmm. And then we've been sent for you to have for the feast. Mm-hmm. Which is even more. Yep. Uh, like we are the plate of food that and there's you are also here a dr- to have. And there's also a drunk frog. And a drunk frog. Because, <laughs> you know, that's a delicacy in this part of the world. He's <sighs> not a frog. <laughs> he's a he's a respectabiggle. He's a respectabiggle. <laughs> anyway. Um, the king does have a reaction to p- 
seeing Puddleglum being like, oh, what is that? And the queen is like, oh, it's dreadful. Yeah, gathers up her skirts and tries to get away. Yep. Whatever that disgusting thing is. Yeah. Um, Who knew giants were afraid of marsh wiggles? It's like a, elephants being afraid of mice. That's the yep. thing that we, we learn in this chapter. Uh, so I there, also want to know how big the giants are. Well, like, I have some convenient art on the next page. Do you have this art? I don't Of them have standing that before art. the giant court? Well, this is another, like, crazy perspective thing here. So, this is my art. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. And, and in this... And this particular art piece, it is, it's painting the giants is very large indeed. Yes. It's painting them like the kids come up to mid-calf. Yeah. And so we're talking at least like... And like Puddle Glum would probably come up to like their knees if he was standing yeah. up. So we're like, you know, 30 feet high. Yeah, they're really big. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, I mean, we've already established that they picked up Puddle Glum. Uh-huh. So one of them can easily carry Puddle Glum. Yeah. But then in this, we also have the old maid who's going to be, in, the old nurse who's going to be introduced soon. And she is doubled over like an old person uh-huh. and short enough to walk in a standard room without hitting her head on the ceiling. Yep. So. I mean, maybe there's a range of sizes. Like there's a range of sizes of humans. Like you have people that are four yeah. feet high and people that are seven feet high. So, like, maybe she's a short old woman, and maybe they're, like, you know, you have a similar range of height in giants where some are, like, 15 feet tall and some are 30 feet tall. That's just, like, it's a full <laughs> doubling. Yeah. Like, what is the average? I don't know. 20? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, continue. We were, we saw the art. All right, so we have... Well, I hope, I, Kristen, I hope you don't lose interest in Jill for the rest of the book. I, you know... I always lose interest when somebody cries. Yeah. Just, I'm like, out. Oh, I'm a out. Crier. Nope. If I'm, I'm reading done. a book and a character in the book cries, I'm just, no. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm done with that book. It's not related. It's not just the character. Like, it's fully the book I lose interest <laughs> yep. in. Like, I just put the whole thing down and walk away. No. Anyway. So, what happens? Why Why am I losing interest in uh, uh Well, in she, started, she started to cry. Uh-huh. Uh, and, I mean, there's an excuse, like, uh, she's still partially frozen and dripping with melted snow, and, like, her feet are sore, and she'd had anything, hardly had anything to eat or drink all day. But, regardless, it was about the most useful thing she could do in this situation. Really? Mm-hmm. Because, uh... The queen took sympathy on her. The queen her. took sympathy. The queen, who Jill liked less than the king, from yeah. the look of. The, the large, the very fat queen. Yes. With a double chin. You know. Which is normally not great to look at, but like even worse when it's on a much larger than average person. I feel like there was one other descriptor <laughs> between the double chin and that line, um, which I was like, which thing is he referring to being even worse on a giant? Let's see. The queen was dread, dreadfully fat and had a double chin and a fat powdered face, which yes. isn't a very nice thing to look at at the best of times. The, pa- the, the, fa- the powdered face. Because mm-hmm. I was like, is he talking about the double chin or the powdered face or the combination of her her chin and powdered face? Yeah. Anyway, I was just like, why why is a powdered face such a terrible thing to look at in a normal human? Yeah. So, I don't know. I did take a moment to be like, huh? Anyway. So, anyway. she's horrible to look at, but she takes sympathy on the little girl. And she's just like, Ermagerd, we need to get her out of here and comfort her immediately, like... 
give her. What is what does she offer her? What does she say that they need to get for her? Oh, food. Because this list here is a remarkable list. Yep, food and wine and baths. Uh, give her lollipops. Give her dolls. Wine? Give, yep. Where Where is this line? It says, quick, some of you take them away. Give them food and wine and baths. Oh, them, them. Okay, yeah. sorry. <sighs> yes. And then? Comfort little girl. Give her lollipops. Give her dolls. Give her physics. Which, let's pause there. <sighs> Here, I, I've got this textbook for you. Uh-huh. She's like, here, have some gravity. Like, I, I, like, that, that, that was when I was just like, is this, uh, was this a common phrase for something that we're not aware of? Like, are physics a thing that you give children? Like, what I, it, <laughs> I believe so. I believe <sighs> my, there are two things my brain goes to, and I'm going to go ahead and look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the first thing I think of is like, um, physical aid, like, mm-hmm. like take her to a doctor. And then the second thing I think of is like, um, like comfort, mental aid kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look it up, physics under, or physic under medicine is, um, like the art of healing or treating with a medicine or things like that in, in the archaic noun of it. Interesting. So, yes. All right. She also does say give her possets and comfits. Yes. Which do what you are know? those? So possets, uh, the, those are a, a frozen cream-based drink. Okay. Like, not unlike a milkshake entirely, I think. All right. Uh, comfits are like a fruit or nut-based candy with like a nut that was coated in sugar. Yes. And then I'm also looking up caraway. I mean, like, caraway is a seed. It is a what plant. Is it? Caraway. Yeah, that's... As a treat. I don't know. Possets and comfits and caraways and lullabies and toys. So, did you looked up caraways? Yeah, it's not coming up with anything other than the plant. Like, in traditional medicine, they're used to treat discomfort and upset stomachs. So, maybe it's just, like, the seeds. Whatever. Um, lullabies and toys. Um, and she's like, yeah, take her away. Comfort her, et cetera, et cetera. And Jill was indignant. She was righteously indignant here. Uh, just as much as you or I would be at the mention of toys and dolls. Yeah. Because, you know, 10-year-old girls are just too old for toys and dolls. I mean, like, I don't know. But she was like, oh, yeah, lollipops and comfits, I'll take those. But she had very much hoped something more solidly provided. Yes. Yeah, so that was the thing that I wanted to get into was, yeah, <sighs> that, that she wanted something more solid. She's like, lollipops and... and milkshakes are good but i want food is that what she was talking about because i was thinking solid as in like i don't know they want them to provide assistance i don't know what they what she was looking for no she wants food okay like lollipops and comfits might be all well and good but she hoped for something more solid would be provided she's she's hungry yeah cool anyway so they rush in they take them away uh they go and jill has a very large room the size of a church Mm-hmm. Uh, and she meets the uh, the giant nurse, the, the giant old lady. The queen's old nurse. Yep. Who he calls her Poppet and Duck. Yep. And Jill hates all this because the, you know. The Ooh la la, daisy <laughs> There's a duck. Yep. Now we'll be all right, my Poppet. And the giant nurse seems to think she's like three years old. So. Yep. She brings her a toy horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, she brings her... A bunch of toys. Every time she comes in, she brings in more toys. 
Yeah. Uh, but she gets she gets Jill set up with a uh, a giant foot bath, mm-hmm. which if you can swim is an excellent time. Yeah. And Jill can swim. So what if she couldn't swim? It's like this is where Jill's story ends. She just drowns in the giant bath, and that's. <laughs> That's all she wrote. Yeah. Uh, do you go. have a, Do you have artwork of the giant nurse? No. All I, all I have artwork of is the um, outside approach to Harfang. Yeah, so sure. I don't have any inside art. Your chapter's boring. Anyway, here's the uh, here's the giant nurse with the toy lamb. All right. So that <laughs> giant nurse can fit inside a standard room without <laughs> bumping her head. Yep. And so the kid would probably be coming up to her knees. Yeah. Okay. But uh, anyway, giant nurse, uh, she brings her lots of poorly made toys. Yes, but brightly like colored. A, but brightly colored. Uh, brings her warm clothes. And also, they have some furniture that is designed for humans. Yes, uh, table, chair, bed. Right, silverware. Yeah. Big four-poster, some silverware. So, so yeah, Jill Jill says, uh, I suppose if that woman in the green kirtle comes here, we must be. they must be used to guests of our size. Yeah. And so, yeah, proper size tablespoon, forks, knives, bed. Um, she loved walking on the giant carpet, and which came up to, what, her ankles or her, mm-hmm. like, it was it was nice and deep. Yeah. Um, but see, in determining the size of everybody here, uh, she has also brought a wooden horse on wheels about the size of an elephant. Yep. Um, which might be hyperbole, hyperbole, sorry might be a hyperbole that's what i eat my cereal out of might be hyperbole but if we're if we're taking this literally like i think uh, your standard like african elephant is like 12 feet tall at the shoulder or something like that yeah so like that's a real big toy horse it is so like yeah i don't know yeah it's a lot mm-hmm. um so tries to bring her toys jill doesn't want any of it uh, but she tut, eats. Tut, 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 you'll want them all right when you've had a bit of rest. I know. Tee hee hee. Betty by now. A precious poppet. You really like quoting the nurse, don't you? I just, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a whole lot. Anyway. What I imagine is C.S. Lewis narrating this. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that would be a weird time, wouldn't it? Yep. That's, a, that's a scene we can put on our, uh, our live production of him writing the books that we're working on for our Patreon. Nope. <laughs> anyway. So she gets put to bed, and then she has a dream. Yes, she does. But she doesn't remember it, so we'll just skip over it. Don't worry about well, it. Well, let's talk about the dream really quick. <laughs> mm. uh, anyway, she wakes up in the room, having a dream. Same, same room. sees this gigantic toy horse coming toward her, only it's not a toy horse at all. It's a toy lion. No, it's a no, real. No, it's a toy lion. It's a real lion. It's it's a. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm. And I'm, then I'm. Yeah. It becomes a real lion. I'm I'm playing in the space with you here. <laughs> anyway, you're my favorite podcast co-host. <laughs> you're my favorite. You have no other co-hosts. That's true. Anyway. Anyway. Uh. So she has a dream. It's the real lion. From the mountain beyond the end of the world. Yes. Capital T, capital R, capital L, the real lion. The real lion. And lion comes up and tells her to repeat the signs, and she can't. She has forgotten all of them that she realizes to her horror, and then she gets picked up in the lion's mouth. But she doesn't feel his teeth. Not with teeth. He's not biting Just his breath and his lips. Yep. Which is better than giant lips. Yep, apparently. 
because she got kissed by the giant nurse. Yeah. I mean, I've never been kissed by a giant nurse or a giant lion, so I couldn't compare. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I guess those are on my bucket list. i got to cross those off eventually. So... <laughs> um, she can't remember the signs. Aslan takes her to the window. The moon mm-hmm. shone bright. Yeah. And written in great letters across the world or the sky, she did not know which were the words under me. Mm-hmm. After that, the dream faded away. And when she woke up very late next morning, she did not remember that she had dreamed at all. Well, it's kind of useless, isn't it? That's I know. Amazing. It's really important that we know this. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's my question. Mm-hmm. Is this Aslan actually coming and speaking to her, or is this her brain telling her that she has messed something up? Could be. Uh, is this actually Aslan who said that he doesn't speak clearly to us in Narnia? Uh-huh. Or is this just Jill's brain being like, hey. I mean, do we have you any? You missed something. You were in a letter. Your subconscious knows that that was a ruined city. Do we have any previous examples of Aslan speaking to people in dreams. Kind of, sort of. We have Lucy's whole thing with the trees, Mm -hmm. where she calls out to the trees and she may have been sleeping that whole time. Yeah. And then we have Lucy, like, waking up and seeing Aslan. Uh Uh-huh. And maybe sort of not seeing him. Like, we don't know. Because Lucy sees him in Prince Caspian, like, three times. Yeah. And, and... One of those may have been a dream. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know. Other than that, like, maybe? Who knows? Uh, this also calls into question uh, the perspective of the narrator of these events. Because before, especially in, I believe, the last book, we had evidence that, well, maybe it was this book. I don't know. Relatively recently, we've had evidence that the narrator is someone who is speaking to the people in these books at a later date. Yeah, because you said, okay, maybe, like, they interviewed Lucy. Yes. It felt like, yes. it it felt like Lucy had... Like you know, Lucy would song, always say even yeah, later. Lucy, Lucy said even later the song was sad or yeah. made you want to cry, and I asked why was it so sad, and she said, no, it wasn't sad. Yeah. And that's all she could say in from Voyage of the Dawn Treader, yes. Um, with that said, though, mm-hmm. once the dream comes flooding back into Jill's memory yes. in a little bit, it would very much be reasonable to assume that this was an interview. Yeah. Um, because Jill does eventually remember the dream. Okay. Cool. Just wanted to make that clear. Uh, <laughs> it's important. Wanted to make it crystal clear. Anyway, the next morning, uh, uh-huh. Scrub and the Marsh Wiggle, Puddle uh, you know, not the other Marsh Wiggle that's tagged along with them. I know. I, I really, like, hmm. <laughs> like, just like, no, just no. The, the name structure is frustrating because Eustace is always Scrub in this book. Yeah. There's, like, two times where he's referred to as Eustace, and the rest of it, it's Scrub. Yeah. Jill is fluid. It goes back and forth. It's Pole or it's Jill. It's Pole or it's Jill. And then you have the Marsh Wiggle slash Puddle Glum. Uh-huh. Like, and it's almost equal, like, it's it's like with Jill, where it's like your identity is based on what I've decided it is today and not who you are. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you see, like, I don't know, 
men men in authority roles being referred to by their last name mm-hmm. and women in authority roles being referred to by their first name when like common accepted structure is to refer to them by last name uh-huh. you know i mean i just thought like, it was a like vice president harris and everyone calls her kamala like that's no like she's harris just like you called biden biden and mm. not joe when yeah. he was the vice president like yeah what was obama's last name though <laughs> i always forget um and... anyway just <laughs> We hosted an art exhibit at my work for the last two weeks, mm-hmm. and um, one of these art pieces was a piece of digital art, and so it's like color shifted and, and modified, but it is a picture of Barack Obama uh-huh. waving his hand, and it is on a big poster. Like It's almost a life-size presentation of his face and his hand, but... It's color shifted and it's got like pink and green and all of these different colors. And from a distance, like it is kind of hard to tell who it is if you're not actually like looking at it for facial features. Uh huh. And so I had someone come in and go, who is that? Because it's right next to one of Muhammad Ali. And it's like, all right, so like I can tell that that's Muhammad Ali because he's like dressed in his boxing stuff and he's standing over somebody else like with boxing gloves on but who is that and i just had to sit there and be as kind as i could and be like i'm pretty sure it's barack obama uh-huh. <laughs> anyway um yeah it was it was fun watching somebody try to figure out who was in a life-size picture of barack obama what a fun anecdote. Uh, uh, anyway, we've, we've gone off the rails in the podcast a little bit. Uh, anywho, I was just going to point out that it would be really weird if you reversed that sentence and it was like, in the morning, in came Puddle Glum and the human boy. Yes, the southern human <laughs> child. Yeah. But they come in, they visit Jill, uh, and it's like, Ermagerd must have slept forever. Like, how's everybody feeling? Here's the pretty poppets little friends come <laughs> to play with her. Yeah, and then they go to the window, and they look outside. And then they wake up in the morning, and they step outside, and they take a deep breath, and they get real high. Uh, and it, no, anyway. wake up in the morning, and I step outside, and I take a deep breath, and I get real high, and I scr- Is it scream? Say? At the I top of my lungs? I think it's say. Scream at the top of my lungs. And it's the first. scream at the top of my lungs. What's going on? Yeah. Anyway, so they do that. But they go to the window, and they look outside, and they say that the rain overnight has washed away all the snow. And now you can clearly see that what they came over to get to Harfang was the ruins of a giant city. Obviously. <gasps> yep. Obvi. That you can easily see from the window of Harfang. And, like, just more evidence that the Lady of the Green Cardle is absolutely lying through her teeth. Uh, being yeah, like, oh, I've never heard like, of a oh. ruined giant city. Well, well, I know of Harfang, though. You can't get to Harfang without going through the ruins of the giant yeah. city, obviously. Yeah. Um, with that said, though, we have an answer to what you were asking about. What were those smokestack-shaped things and all of like yes. these things they saw off in the distance? Big chimney. It was descriptions of the ruins as seen through a snowstorm. Yep. And one bit of wall that was still standing about 500 feet high, like... 
Yep. That is a huge bit of wall. That is a huge bit of wall. Like that is that is taller than the tallest uh, drop at Six Flags near us. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if you ever stood next to a 50-story building, but, like, that's big wall. Yeah. Um, it's a bit. Uh-huh. So, anyway, uh, then they had the broken chimneys, and then they saw the ledges they'd climbed over were actually stairs. Hermagerd. It's almost like we knew that. And then they say they saw giant dark letters across the center of the pavement, spelling out the words "Under me." Under me. Hmm. And is that when Jill's dream comes rushing back to her? Uh, at some point, yeah. Yes, that's. And then she's like, "Woe is me! It's my fault. I've messed up the signs. It was right there." I gave you know, up repeating them. Gave to up myself. repeating them, etc. And she gets really down on herself. And then Puddleglum's just like, well... It was also my fault. My fault. I didn't stop you. I should have. And Scrub was just like, nope, not your fault. And this is, there's a little... It's, they have a little sad party. Yep, they, they do. Have a little... <laughs> and then they realize that they can't reach the doorknobs. Yep, they can't reach the doorknobs. Um, yeah, and they, they've given up thinking about Prince Rillian, which Scrub surmises is exactly the goal of uh, the Lady in Green. Yep. And that was what she was trying to do. Uh... But the question comes up, how do we not see the lettering? Could, could Aslan have put it there in the night? I had such a queer dream. And Scrub is just like, why you'd chump? Like, immediately we we, we yep. get away from, like, the pity party of being like, oh, it's not your fault. And then he's just, like, back to insulting her. Yep, obviously. Obviously, obviously we were in the letters. We fell into the letters. <laughs> we were in the E and under me. Uh-huh. Can't you, can't you see that? So anyway, in my baseless speculation, I was exactly dead on. Uh, and that they were walking into the letters. Yep, you were. Yeah, so. Precisely. Yay me. Uh, and they were there. So let's pause for a minute and... Let's pause for a minute and go back to what cockaleek soup is. <laughs> cockaleeky. It's cockaleeky, is yeah, it? Yeah, it's leaky. Yeah, cockaleeky soup. Yep. <laughs> we're just going to leave that there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just skip right over the dinner she had. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so here's... Here's my question. My, part of my baseless speculation last week, I was just like, hey, what message could be so important that the Giants decided to carve this into the base of their city, like in these giant, huge letters? Uh, obviously took some effort to put it there. And the message that it says is under me. Mm-hmm. So can we assume that this is a thing that existed back when the city was actually inhabited? Like, has this always been there? And, like, why? Why did the Giants carve under me into the base of their city like what's maybe it's just part of the sewer system yeah or did it <laughs> did aslan put it there because i feel like it makes it makes much more logical sense for aslan to have put it there than for the giants thousand years to go to put under me on a big stone in their city pointing people to go under it for some reason i mean maybe it's <laughs> just the entrance to the sewer yeah it's a it's a pot it's a pothole cover Possibly, I don't know. Not pothole. Manhole. Manhole cover. Yeah. It's a giant old cover. Who knows? But that, uh... I don't know. I don't know. Like, I genuinely... That's that's always been one of my biggest questions and, and gripes with the, the book, specifically, uh, yeah. is that the third sign always just, like, it doesn't... It doesn't make sense. Why is this here? Like, who yeah. who put it here? Why is it here? The Giants of Harfang obviously, like, would have had to see it. Yes. Because uh, it's right outside their window. Yeah. They would see it. Yeah. 
and they, they just don't care. And they just don't care? Like, I don't know. Like, it's it's just, it's there. But, like, do they... And then if Aslan did put it there, why why is this plan so convoluted? And he's like, oh, hey, you're going to go to the ruined city of the giants, and you're going to see a big stone in the center with a message on it that I'm going to put there. But you have to remember this sign very clearly because it may not be obvious. Like, it just seems like a really roundabout plan when he could have just made it... I don't know. Yeah, but have they have they actually messed up the second and third signs? Like, no, they're a day late. Yeah, like and a dollar short. They're like, we 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 muffed the signs, and it's like, no, you found the ruined city, and you're right there next to it, and you're right at it. Like, you just might have a hard time getting to it. Well, we talk about that, but we've also established that this place is not a fortress, and there are many ways in and out of it that do not involve going through the courtyard. Yes. Um, but there's another line where Scrub has said, I know what you were thinking because I was thinking the same. You were thinking how nice it would have been if Aslan hadn't put the instructions in the stones of the ruined city till after we'd passed it. And it wouldn't have been his fault, not ours. So likely, isn't it? No. Anyway, so if he did put him there, it wasn't, you know, the day after. It's not Aslan's fault. We've established that. Yeah, well, I mean, they were in the letters. That's they, that's how they can know for sure that mm-hmm. Aslan didn't place it after the fact. Yeah. Which then, was Jill's, like, guess. And then Puddleglum is just like, well, if we'd had our minds on it, like, we would have found a way in. Like, they talk about how they're supposed to get under the stone. They're like, well, if we'd thought about it, we probably would have seen something. Aslan would have helped us. He could have, like, led us to a door or a cave or something like that. Yeah. And says, Aslan's instructions always work. There are no exceptions. But how to do it now, that's another matter. I feel like we haven't gotten into a good theology discussion in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is an interesting take on, what am I trying to say? Not the idea of predestination, but I guess the take on, like, God's will, as it were. Okay. And so, you know... If God has, you know, Aslan's Jesus, by the way. We haven't mentioned that in a while. Yeah. In case anybody forgot. I did. Thank <laughs> you. Appreciate that. Um, I, I had a feeling when the T was capitalized in the yeah. real lion. Yeah. So, from a theological perspective, is he saying if it's, if it's God's will for you to do something, like, obviously, there will be a way to do it. And the instructions are always, like, they always work. But if you wait, like, if you somehow miss the opportunity, it's going to be much harder. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, there's a specific thing that God might want you to do any time that it's supposed to happen in. And if you miss your window, then your doors close. Well, he's saying, he's not necessarily saying the doors close, but the door becomes more difficult. Uh-huh. But, yeah, it's, it's a weird take. Mm-hmm. Because, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people would say, like, if you miss the opportunity, you miss the opportunity, period. It's over. Yeah. But, like, Puddleglum is kind of saying, no, there's, there's, how we're going to do it now, well, that's, that's for us to figure out because he gave us the instructions and we missed the, the, the opportunity he wanted us to take. So now we have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Which doesn't seem... Very divinely ordained or inspired. Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, but anyway, Aslan is, you know, still going through his uh, redemption in Narnia, so he doesn't have his full power back yet. Uh, oh, he's, is that how it goes? Well, he's he's still getting the birds, feeding him the stones, and getting younger. Like, it's a whole thing, right? Yeah. We went over that. Yeah. <laughs> we covered this already. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In the last book. Uh, so anyway, that was worth noting. And then they talk about trying to escape, and, uh, you know... Suppose we, they, they figure they can't open the door. Uh, they wonder if the giants would let them out if they asked. And they start plotting how they're actually going to get out. Because at this point, I guess they surmise that they're basically prisoners in Harfang. Yep. And they've, they've figured that out. And it's an interesting jump because they still haven't actually expressed any fear of the gentle giants. Yeah. But they know that the gentle giants would be suspicious of any attempts the kids made to leave. Yeah, they also can't reach the doorknob, so, you know, that serves that. Yes, but also, like, if they thought they were just guests, they uh-huh. could ask the giants at any point, like, hey, can we go look at the ruins? Yeah. If they thought they were guests. Yeah. But they don't think that they're guests. They know that they're not guests, but they also have not expressed in any way that they know that they're not guests. Well, now that they've thought about the signs again, they, uh, they're thinking more clearly and they can see all the things that are wrong in Harfang. Yes. So, anyway, they, talk, they start talking about how to get out uh, and how they can't go into the cover of night and they have to go out in the afternoon. Maybe there's a time where all the giants are resting. Uh, Lewis gives children advice on how to get out of their parents' homes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It makes a lot more. <laughs> you should definitely try to sneak out during the day yeah. because there's a lot more explanations for where you might be going if you're caught in a place you shouldn't be during yeah. the day yeah. rather than at 1 o'clock in the morning. It's yeah. very hard to explain why you're outside. Yep. Yeah. You should always try to sneak away in the middle of the day. Yep. You read these books as a child. Did you uh, take this to heart and be Absolutely. like, okay, this is this is how I sneak out? Absolutely. And the one time I did run away from home, I did it in the middle of the afternoon and no one noticed. Well, there you I go. I was back in time for dinner. So kids, if you're listening, that's how to escape uh, from your parents' homes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go in yes. the middle of the day. <laughs> if you're going to try to you, escape yep. from a school. or you're, you're adding our end of podcast advice into the wrong segment here. Yep. <laughs> you, yes, you are. Why are you... <laughs> Why are you saying this is me? You're the one who brought it up. Anyway, and so obviously what they have to do is pretend like everything's fine. They're really happy to be there, and they have no intentions of escaping at all. Yep. And, you know, they have to be gay. And frolicsome. And frolicsome. And very and high don't worry. don't worry. These kids obviously don't know how to uh, do that. Like, they've been a very low spirits. Yeah. But Puddle Glum. Obviously does. He's he got this a, on lock. Yeah. He's a, you know, when I think frolicsome and like happy all the time i think puddle glum absolutely uh specifically it says uh he assumed a ghastly grin and then he cut a most mournful caper yep uh anyway he's gonna put on a show and the children are gonna follow suit but he also not only does he do that he says they like me they think i'm quite funny which is my intention i'm sure you thought i had too much yesterday nope that was that was just uh that was all for show thought it might be useful the children don't believe him they don't know (sighs) like they look back on it in the future and they're like "Mm." no he was just drunk (sighs) it was probably (laughs) not accurate uh Anywho, then in the middle of their scheming, the nurse busts down the door and comes in just like, hey, you guys, you kids don't want to miss this. The king and queen are going out on their hunting party like it's going to be a big thing. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah, go and go and look. 
And so they immediately rush out, and they see the king and queen uh, taken off. They don't have horses because there are no giant horses in this part of the world. It doesn't say there aren't giant horses. They're just not here. They're just not here. Which is which is curious. Like, you know, this is the land of giant things, and, like, there's likely to be giant beetles and earthworms and it all might sorts be. of stuff. There might be. No giant horses. Also not giant dogs because the dogs are of normal size. Yep. Uh, and I have an art of that, too. I have a lot of art in this chapter. Yeah, you do. Uh, and so I have the giants with, with tiny normal sized dogs, which is really fun. <laughs> and they just look and like little rats down the there. the litter. Yep. And the queen on the litter, which just looks like she's going to fall off and crush those poor things. Uh, and they're heading out. And, you know, Jill gets really excited and she's like, I'm going to put on a show, goes up and talks to the queen and is like, Ermagerd, it's so wonderful here. Can't wait for the feast. Oh, you will come back, won't you? But while you're gone, do you, mind, do you mind if we have the run of the castle and explore? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it's, they're trying to escape, so it's important they have permission. Well, um. I mean, it is definitely a very clever way to get no guards to, you yeah. know, impede them. True. Like, she's very clever here. Yeah. And Jill has a almost a redemptive moment in this chapter. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's very clever. Yeah. And uh, Queen says yes, and then they take off. Cool. Absolutely. They're gone. And that's a chapter. Yep. Did we miss anything? Um, we talked about what I was questioning about the dream. Uh-huh. The size of the giants, maybe. Yeah, we still have a good number for that. Yeah. If only we knew what size apple trees were in England. I guess we could, we do enough research to find that information. I don't want to, but we could. <laughs> cool. Um, so should we move on to our next segment if we're done talking about the chapter? I think so. Okay. I mean, I, I might think of something before the end of the episode, but... Okay, you can jump into my uh, to my baseless speculation if you need to. Sounds good. All right, so what do we do next, Kristen? Next, we do our rewrite. Hashtag Narnia Chopped and Screwed. Mm-hmm. This is the part of the show in which we read our rewrites, which we wrote as we read the chapters. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I, I always go like this is the part of the show where we do a thing. Uh-huh. But like the thing is just reading what we did earlier. Like this Correct. isn't the part of the show where we create a summary or a rewrite. This is yep. the part of the show where we read our our pre-work. Yes. Um so let's try that again. <laughs> Next we do our, our our rewrite. This is our Narnia chopped and screwed and this is um where we read our rewrites. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. We pick five sentences out of the chapter and write a new story with them. That's all you have to say, Kristen. Yep. It's as, a really easy segment. As we're reading the chapter, we do a creative exercise of selecting five sentences out of the chapter to try to tell a new story with. Yeah. And that is uh, what we do. It's our Narnia blackout poetry or yeah. something. I'd also be shocked if this is anybody's first episode. So... Anybody listening to this has heard these many, many times before. So anyway, uh, I did my summary first. Would you like to do your rewrite first? Oh, but of course, I will do mine first. Um, I struggled with this one a lot because there's, it's just such a disjointed chapter as far as like all of the sentences when you pull them out and out of context them. Uh So it's a little, I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to do, but I, I don't think I succeeded either way. Gotcha. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead and I will read my rewrite. All right. 
She was up and dressed and had finished breakfast in front of the fire when the nurse opened the door and said, Here's pretty Poppet's little friends come to play with her. Such a pretty sight. You'll like him much better when you get to know him. We must pretend we love being here and are longing for this autumn feast. Frolicsome. Okay, what were you going for here? Nothing. I, <laughs> I, I genuinely, like, I just wrote down six sentences and chose five of them. I, okay. It was, <laughs> nope. You couldn't get there. I spent more time trying to do my rewrite than I spent reading the chapter <laughs> and doing my summary combined. Wow. Like, I, there was, there was nothing. Oh. There was no, there was no story. Okay. So. Some are easier than others, I agree. Yeah, some are much easier than others. This one was... Anyway, so here's my rewrite, which I'm actually quite proud of because I was able to do what I was was trying to do, mostly. Uh, So here we go. I've slept about 15 hours, I believe. I dare say you two thought I was a trifle tipsy last night, but I do assure you it was, well, most of it was put on. We might try opening that door to begin with. Do say yes. Gay, said Puddleglum with a deep sigh. Uh, So this is a story about Puddleglum getting drunk and coming out of the closet. Okay. (laughs) Which was kind of what I was trying to go for. Okay. But I I don't know. I don't know if I pulled that one off. (laughs) I would not have gone with coming out of the closet... Uh on that particular one no okay but i get it okay anyway that's what i was trying really hard to do because i really wanted to incorporate one of those gay sentences because they use that word like six times yeah um the one i the one i really wanted to use but couldn't find a way to do it was uh while we're fooling about being gay we've got to find out all we can about this castle yeah that was a fun sentence um, anywho, there was mine. Cool. Got there. Should we move on to our next segment? Yours since... felt more like a conversation where the, there was somebody else involved. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was hard to do. So, what do we do next, Kristen? What do we do next? Yeah. Well, don't you know? We've been doing this for a while. Uh, yes, just the past two books. Anyways, the next segment is, uh, Baseless Speculation, which is kind of my, my pet segment because I've never read this book before and I don't know anything about what's going to happen. And so I, as the title would suggest, baselessly speculate about what's, uh, going to happen next in the story. Go and sometimes it. I'm right, like the fact that they were in the letters, uh, in the tablet they were supposed to read. You were? All right, um... Gosh, so this doesn't give us a whole lot of new information in this chapter to to really go off of. Like I talked about in the last chapter, how obviously the giants want to eat them. Like that's still obvious. Yeah. Uh, You know, slightly more so now that the kings and queens are giving each other like really weird looks and whatnot. Yeah. Um, That's a thing. Um, Gosh, the only real new thing we learn here is that they've actually gone through the ruins of the giant city and they've seen the stone and they've seen where it says uh under me yeah and i brought up the question earlier of why that would be there 
And I think we, in order to answer that, we need to establish that Aslan definitely has a sense of humor. Uh, it's it's sometimes odd and terrifying, like that time he went and threw Trumpkin in the air <laughs> and made Trumpkin think he was going to die. But like yeah. he has a weird sense of humor, and like he's patient. And so I think Aslan can definitely set up a long-form joke. So my baseless speculation is this, is that they go back to the ruined city, they sneak out of Harfang, they they find the stone, what says under me, and they look around enough to find some sort of cavern or something that takes them down to, like, catacombs that are underneath this giant city. And they're going to find a much smaller stone uh, somewhere down there that has the words under there written on it with an arrow pointing downward underwear and jill's gonna be like underwear and then aslan comes out of nowhere like roaring laughing and like the entire thing was a setup for just like that joke. this this joke yeah uh that's the entire book it smells um, like up dog in here. <laughs> oh listeners if you could see how hard Kristen rolled her eyes at me i'm surprised that wasn't <laughs> audible um for serious though uh, I think they are going to go back to the ruined city. Like, obviously, they're going to find their way out because we're only halfway through the book and they don't die here. Now, that would be a twist, wouldn't it? Like, the kids die here and, like, Trumpkin rolls up with his, you know, 80-year-old self and has to solve, save the day. Uh-huh. Um, no, they go back uh, and they're going to find a path underwear, under, underwear, under there. Uh, <laughs> under the city. I, I'm going to say, yeah, why not? Catacombs. Like, it's going to be some sort of, like... And I don't want to necessarily say burial chamber, but I don't want to go with sewer. I'm going to go with maybe some kind of catacombs or some sort of... Not archive. I'm trying to figure out something that fits here. Um, And for some reason, I don't... I don't think they're going to find the lady down there. Like, it just seems like that would be an odd fit that she'd be living under the city, like, directly next to Harfang, where she's a frequent guest. Like, I don't know. That seems too convenient to me. Okay. So I don't necessarily think they're going to find the lady down there. Maybe they're going to find signs. Maybe it's going to be, like, you know, the, the Chamber of Secrets, and there's basilisk tun tunnels under there because she's secretly a giant snake or something. Uh, and they're going to find snake skin. I, I have no idea. Is all um, of the snake talk based off the cover and artwork from your book, or is it based off of something in the text? I mean, the text where, I mean, Rillian's mother's killed by a big snake. I mean, is it a particularly large snake? Like, is it a giant snake? I don't feel like it was a giant snake. I feel like it was a bright green snake. Yeah, bright like, green snake. I feel snake. like that's all the description of it we got. Yeah, but also the bright green snake shows up in the same place that the lady does, and, like, we can assume as Jill does, that the snake and the lady are the same person. Yes. And, and then, you think the lady in the green kirtle is the snake lady? Yeah. Okay, and then, then why do you say giant? Because we see a giant snake on the cover. Yeah, so it um, is based <laughs> off of the cover. Yeah. Okay. Which is, which is sure. oftentimes accurate. There's a dragon on the cover art of Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was and there. And it's crying. Yeah, that was a thing that happened. Yeah, it was in one chapter. <sighs> anyway, I don't think we see the green lady down there, and I think we see signs of her maybe... Um, I do think we're going to encounter Rillian down there. Maybe not in the next chapter specifically, but in the next two chapters. We'll get down there. We'll find Rillian. 
I'm st- I'm still gonna go with the idea that he's the the one in the black armor and like he's held prisoner down there, and mm-hmm. like he asks them to free him in the name of Aslan or something like that. Okay. And they don't want to. I think I think Puddle Glum's gonna be the one who's real wary about it because he was uh he was really uh apprehensive about the Black Knight in the first place. Yeah. And so I think they're going to encounter the Black Knight and the, it's gonna ask him something and Puddle Glum's just gonna be like, oh, this is obviously a trick of some kind. I don't know. He's gonna be the doubting Thomas in this situation, but. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. There's there's nowhere else I can really go here other than, like, it's not really a speculation, but them trying to escape the city very much has uh, echoes of them trying to get out of Tashban in uh, Horse and His Boy. Yeah, a little bit. It's yeah. them trying to escape the city under the cover of night or whatever. It's very it similar. They gone out in the middle of the day when the gate was open. Yeah. Duh. They've got to go. <laughs> I mean, does Harfang have a water door? <laughs> We gotta find out. We'll find out. Uh huh. And uh, you know, the giant fish come in to do their important business via. Yep. <laughs> um. Oh, so. Anything you wanted to add in there that you thought of, or are you good? No, I'm good. Okay, so we can just go ahead and close out. I believe so. Cool. All right. Um. Yeah. That's, I think that's about it. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. Uh, if you want to interact with us on the social medias, you can do that at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter. Or you can, you know, give us some money because you're cool like that at patreon.com slash chronically podcast. And you can always send us your fan art of a giant carpet at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. We didn't even talk about the giant towels and how you don't even have to wrap up in one. You can just roll around on it. There's acres of them. There's acres (laughs) of them. And, of course, join us next week as we discuss Chapter 9, How They Discovered Something Worth Knowing. Ooh. So in the future, if you have the opportunity to wrap up in a giant's towel and roll around in front of a fire... Do it. Do it. (laughs) And don't get kissed by a giant nurse because it's really unpleasant. See ya. So I've heard. (laughs) So I've heard. (laughs) See ya. I got frustrated. I tried to play with you and you said, no, you're doing it wrong. Sorry. <laughs> of course I got frustrated. Um, which might be hyperbole. Hyperbole. Sorry. It might be a hyperbole. Um, that's what I eat my cereal on. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which I sit in a room while my husband prunes the plants. No, you're ready. In the scr- is it scream? Say at the I top of my lungs. I think it's say scream at the top of my lungs. It's the first. Scream. It's in there like four or five times. This is that. This is the point in time that Lewis lost his th- the the thor- th- This was the point in time that Lewis lost his the thor- <laughs> This is the point in time that Lewis lost his thesaurus, which is a really hard. Thing to say thesaurus thesaurus th- thesaurus i can say the word 
Lewis lost his thesaurus is a hard sentence. Go ahead and say that. Irish wristwatch. No, go ahead and say the one I said. Lewis lost his thesaurus. Fine. I just can't tongue today. <laughs> Maybe you should have had an extra shot in your coffee this morning. Lewis lost his thesaurus. Why? Why can't I say that? Well, that's the bloopers knocked out. Lost his thesaurus. Lost his thesaurus. Is it the heart last thesaurus. part? Of the thesaurus. 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 I can say the word. Lost his thesaurus. Is the his thesaurus? His thesaurus. Is the S? Yeah. Yeah. That's what's giving you a struggle. It is. Great content for the bloopers.